0: Hey friends, welcome to season two of We're Going There. Oh, it has been way too long since we've connected and I'm very excited to whisper sweet nothings in your ear because this is the week of Valentine's Day. Okay, so we were actually supposed to start season two back in January, but I was contacted by the amazing fine folks at That Sounds Fun Podcast Network and they invited me to be on their network. Y'all, won't he do it? He done did it. So if you are into podcasts, check out the amazing shows on the network for more listening pleasure. Speaking of pleasure, this week was Valentine's Day and y'all know I love love. So if you are new to this corner of the podcast world, let me give you the flow of our show. I usually start off with some thoughts, insights, or a good story to discuss why we're talking about each subject because context matters to this Enneagram 7. This season, we've got some killer content ranging from Deconstructing Faith, Daddy Issues, and some more Freak in the Sheet content. Hello, somebody. But for today, we're talking about dating. Now, before the married folk tune out or tune off, listen to me, please. I wrote a book last year entitled How to Have Your Life Not Suck, and there was a whole section relegated to dating. And one of the favorite things that I got in feedback was that married folk felt like they had practical handles to talk to their single friends about dating. So the book, low key, down low, meta narrative of the book, How to Have Your Life Not Suck, it's actually rooted out of the book of Ruth, an Old Testament book sandwiched in the pages of the Old Testament. And there's this one character by the name of Boaz. So listen, I know that like 95% of the podcast listeners are female, but for the brave 5% of men out there, let me first tell you that one, you are welcomed here. Two, you are so smart because you're getting inside information, brother. And three, I really do appreciate the testosterone that you bring. So if I refer to my sisters or homegirls, men, just know it applies to you too. So listen, if you know me, you know that I am a lover of humankind. Whether you are male or female, young or old, married, single, divorced, or widowed, whether you are bougie or broke, whether you are white, black, Asian, Haitian, or Croatian, I really do speak to the God potential and never want to be disparaging. So That's my caveat before we dive into this conversation about dating. Okay, y'all, I firmly believe that some people should be classified as undateable. Now, before you trip out and before you judge me, please just listen to me. Listen to me because it's coming from a place of love. When searching for a potential date, don't be afraid of assessing somebody's VDS. What is a VDS, you ask? I'm so glad you asked. Let me educate you. VDS stands for Viable Dating Score. If you are single or you know someone who's single, make sure you do the homework before jumping into a relationship with someone who has a low IQ or worse, a low VDS. Okay, so this is what we're going to do. We're going to do the basic VDS to make a critical assessment. I've got three questions for you. Ready? Write them down. Commit them to memory. Get a tattoo. Just kidding. Don't do that. Your mom might be sad. But question number one, does your date love Jesus? Now, I don't care if your date has a 10-pound Bible buried somewhere in their closet and knows John 3.16. I'm asking you to seriously assess if they are passionate about the things of God. If they aren't passionate about God, be prepared to date someone who will struggle with respecting you, respecting your body, resolving conflict, and self-sacrifice. How do I know this? Because this is a difficult thing to do for God-fearing Christian men and women. So just know it's worse if they don't have the spirit of God to help set them straight. Somebody please hand me a praise, Hanky, because I'm about to preach. So if the answer to question one is yes, proceed to question number two. Question number two of the viable dating score. Do they have a job? Mm Mm-hmm. A J-O-B. Y'all, this is not vanity. This is responsibility. If a man wants to show maturity and availability, it should start by earning a living and being responsible enough to show it for work. And that rule applies to men and women. Living off of welfare or parents covering should be a clear indication that your potential date isn't in a position to invest in you or a relationship. Now, if you're listening to this and you're thinking, ew, so rude, I don't need someone to take care of me because I'm an I-N-D-E-P-E-N-T woman who doesn't need to be won over by money, great, let me be the first one to congratulate you on being a boss. But let me also warn you that if a man lives with his mother who cares for him and her 85 cats he will expect you to treat him the same way. Your independence can lead to someone's codependence. Is there grace for someone in a career transition or loss of job? Absolutely. But if someone survives off of government-issued assistance and uses gift cards to take you out to dinner, they may not be in a position to enter into an equitable relationship. Let me also note that a job is a job, okay? This has less to do with the amount of money that someone is bringing home and more to do with how someone shows up to work. Whether someone works in a warehouse or the White House, I applaud dedication and responsibility. So if the answer to question one and question two is yes, proceed with caution to question number three. Question number three, are they friends with a bar of soap and toothbrush? Halitosis from hell is a sure sign that your date might be toothless by the age of 50. If you want your significant other to have teeth into adulthood, ensure they are flossing, brushing, and rinsing on the regular. If someone smells ripe on a date, first make sure it's not you. You're welcome. Then assess if their pungent body odor is something that you find attractive or repellent. If you notice a lack of hygiene during the dating period, it will definitely magnify the more comfortable you become in a relationship. Trust me. If your dating candidate wasn't a perfect score, I would wisely caution you on moving forward. Y'all, the score is a three, not 300. Don't think that this is a tall order. In fact, the bar has been set really low. You could add your own questions to my VDS evaluation, but I would suggest not to get carried away. Don't rule someone out before they're even given a chance. I love using the character Boaz out of the Book of Ruth as a barometer for the type of men I want my single girlfriends to date. Because we don't know what he looks like, we don't know how old he was when they met, and we don't know how much money he had. Ruth didn't know much about him, but let's see what she did know about him and learn what to look for in potential dates. Men, please take note because this is free wisdom. Coming from our sponsor out of Ruth 2 verse 1, the scriptures reads this. Now, Naomi had a relative on her husband's side, a man of standing of the clan of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. So what are the things that we know? One, Ruth knew someone who knew him. In dating situations, you might not always know someone before you go on a date with them. However, it's always better if someone you know can vouch for your potential date. Naomi, as we discover in verses later, knew exactly who Boaz was and encouraged Ruth to go pursue him. Number two for the note takers, and we pull out of this scripture, Boaz was a man of standing. In other words, he had a J-O-B. His name wasn't broke as, y'all, it was Boaz. Hello, come on, somebody. As a business owner and landowner, this man was fiscally responsible and socially influential. I want my single sisters to find a man of good standing. Lastly, scripture tells us that his name was Boaz. The name Boaz means strength. Illustratively, his name also appears on one of the pillars in Solomon's temple. Boaz was like a pillar of strength to hold up Ruth and Naomi so their lives wouldn't crumble. Find an emotionally and spiritually strong man to lift you up and empower you to be the woman that God has called you to be. Now, as we depart and get into our interview with Ben Stewart, let me be ruthless. Did you get that? You guys, that was punny. Ruthless, Mm mm-hmm, okay. I believe that you can handle the truth, so I have some questions for you. How would you score on the VDS? It's so easy to look at someone else and find fault with them, but we must take time to be honest about where we are in our life. Question number one for your personal VDS. Do you love Jesus? Going to church once a month and listening to Hillsong United during your cardio session on the treadmill doesn't make you a lover of Jesus. I know, your bubble might be popped, but bear with me. I'm talking about developing a relationship with the one who truly knows you. If you don't have a personal relationship with Jesus, no amount of love will make you feel secure, enough, or valuable. If you don't love Jesus, there's no way you'll love yourself, let alone a significant other. Question number two. Do you have a job? Sisters, don't wait for a sugar daddy to cancel out your debt and make you a real housewife, okay? Be a grown, independent woman who doesn't need anyone to make your needs met or validate your existence. Be responsible and take initiative of your life. Contrary to Disney fairytale princesses, the women of the Bible worked. Ruth was in the field gleaning. Rebecca tended to cattle, the Proverbs 31 woman was a merchant, and Lydia was a business owner. These women were esteemed, not for who they married, but for how they chose to live their life and how tirelessly they worked. Friends, we are more than dumb, dateless damsels waiting to be chosen. We are warriors going to battle with a breastplate of faith like Deborah. We are peacemakers who wear crowns to use our influence like Esther. We are prophets who steward anointing and speak on behalf of God like Huldah. Friends, get a job and go to work. Lastly, question number three. Are you friends with a bar of soap and a toothbrush? Do you smell more importantly do you know if you smell be brave and ask a close friend for honest feedback on your breath and body scent in the words of Joe Cocker we get by with a little help from our friends listen perfume and body spray only blend in with your natural body scent so make sure that you shower regularly and don't be afraid of a splash of perfume to help with your natural scent as my daddy always said wash your hands and wash your cracks if the answer to all three of these questions is yes congrats you have passed the VDS with flying colors now, before we begin, I'm getting into an interview with Pastor Ben Stewart out of Passion City Church in Washington, D.C. Listen, I was handed this book by my sister, coworker, friend, and ministry partner, Chelsea, who gave me this book and I'm happily married, but this book was a resource. Had I had this book when I was dating, I think I would have approached dating really differently. So I'm very excited that you get context, that you get cultural reference, you get spiritual insight, as I like to say, some free dating therapy. So please tune in, listen up, take notes. And will you do me a favor? Will you please thank Pastor Ben Stewart on your social media by sharing on social media and tagging at Ben Stewart. I love to honor people for the time and sacrifice and pouring into us. So with that, let's continue on to the interview. If you haven't heard about Anchor, it's the easiest way to make a podcast. Let me explain. One, it's free. Two, there's creation tools that allow you to record and edit your podcast right from your phone or computer. Three, Anchor will distribute your podcast for free so you can be heard on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and many more. You could also make money from your podcast with no minimum listenership. It's everything you need to make a podcast in one place. Download the free Anchor app or go to anchor.fm to get started. Ben, thank you so much for being on We're Going There. Excited to have you.
1: I am so glad to be here. I'm looking forward to this.
0: Okay, so if you, if you don't know, um, you are the first episode of season two. I mean, okay. we're going big here. We're going big. Okay. And the no reason pressure. why I'm saying, we're, I know, don't suck, Ben. Don't suck. <laughs> I've hyped you up, brother. You, 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 you need to listen to the intro because I hyped you up, okay? Okay. Right. So, okay, so before we get into the nitty gritty, I've already told yeah. the world that I think that you are a dating guru and you are a man. Um, you're not just um, a husband. You're not just a dad. You're not just a pastor. I believe that you're a researcher and you have taken this very complex topic, complex subject on relationships, but you've given us some pretty amazing theological, biblical, relevant handles. And so before we jump into the topic at hand and its relationship, and it's the week of Valentine's day, AKA single awareness day, let's have, <laughs> let's have some people get to know you. you cool with that?
1: I would love it. Let's okay. go.
0: So name the three people who help you the most in life. And you can't say Jesus, I know you're a pastor, but you can't say Jesus. We'll just say that that's a given, okay? I, I'm nosy, I'm nosy only with the three people.
1: Okay, all right. That helped me the most, like yes. right now? Well, my, my wife, it's um, you know obvious, just- Good answer. Ben would be off the rails if Donna didn't help me in a, in a myriad of ways and particularly relationally, you know, she's just much more relationally in tune than me. I, I, I tended to be too blunt and direct and she's like, you know, you could say that nicer. I'm like, I, okay. All right. So she helps with that. Okay. Uh, Chris, Kristen on our staff is, uh, a miracle worker scheduling wise. I'm yeah, one of those nice. people that like, uh, you know, three emails and I feel overwhelmed emotionally. So Kristen <laughs> is a huge help. And then, man, it's hard. Cause I have a, let me just group them. I have a ring of counselors over time. There's some older men that I've just said, can I call you? And there's this ring of guys that I call all the time. Okay. And in DC, it's common for me to walk in the woods and call these guys and <laughs> have them help me. So
0: This is what we'll say. We'll say Donna, Kristen and the ring.
1: And the boys. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. The ring. The yes. ring. Yeah, not
0: uh, uh, ring. Not Gollum's we'll ring. Not Gollum's Everyone's got to
1: have them, man. Okay. You
0: okay. Question number two, best dating book you've read.
1: Oh man. Best dating book and I've read. And you can't say yours because
0: I'm already going to talk about yours. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Song of Solomon. I don't know. Uh, I, Gosh, dating—I don't know. There's great marriage ones. i I didn't necessarily encounter a dating one. You know what? I will accept your answer of SOS because I did an exegetical
0: Bible teaching through SOS, and like I, brother, I teach it literal, not metaphorical. Okay, Mm -hmm. so like I'm here for you when you say song of Solomon. Well,
1: I'll—I'll tell you what happened when I was in high school. And sorry, you said quick questions, and I'm not. You know what? You're being a
0: pastor. I'm here for it. Go, go.
1: All right. So (laughs) you know, I was in high school. And a guy told me like, hey, you need to listen to the sermon series. And I was like, bro, I don't listen to sermons in my car. Like, what are you talking about? And he like kept trying to push me, listen to these sermons. I was like, I'm not going to do it. And uh, he gave me the sermon series. I fell asleep driving, almost killed myself, like 360 in the car, (gasps) drama. And I realized I got to stay awake. I was on this long drive by myself. And and I looked and he had given me this sermon series. And one of the talks was entitled Sex. And I was like, that'll keep me awake. And I put it in. (laughs) And it was this dude breaking down Song of Solomon and 30 minutes in as a high school kid, I was crying in my car because I realized God's design is so beautiful. yeah. And what I had in my mind was cheap by comparison. So Song of Solomon changed my life. Okay, wait never, a minute.
0: Well, now inquiring minds need to know. Do you remember who taught that message?
1: Yes. His name <laughs> A lot of people don't know him. His name is Tommy Nelson.
0: Pastor brother, Tommy brother. Nelson. I know me some Tommy Nelson. Okay. I know okay, me right. some Tommy yes. N- A lot of people don't, but I love how you know what to be honest with you. My passion for the book and actually the exegetical teaching of it came after listening yeah. to some of his stuff. So hey, I'm high-fiving yeah. you. See? Yeah. See, yeah. we we already we're vibing, brother. We're vibing. Okay. I like this. One last question before I jump into season two, kickoff, hardest part yeah, of yeah. 2020.
1: The hardest part of 2020? Yeah, for you. Oh my gosh. Well, boy, I tell you what, it, it has been so many anxious, angry people. And it's been a season where Mm. truth and love has been hard for some people to accept when they're caught up in anxiety and anger. So helping navigate some of that complexity for people has been so challenging. Mm. You know, I mean, pastoring right now has been one drama after the other. I told people I'm so excited about this Sunday because we're going to preach the Bible. And I was like, I'm so glad I'm not having to, like, release a statement. I can just, like, (laughs) preach the word. It's like every Sunday has been a response to some... Um calamity, but
0: you know, but praise the Lord, we're in 2021 and we're believing that the worst is behind us and the I'm best waiting. is ahead of us. So, okay, so I had mentioned this in the introduction, but I really do, um, all flattery aside, only honesty on this table, I really do view you as a voice speaking clarity into. Not just dating, but I'm going to say relationships as a whole. And so, yeah. uh, I've read your book, I've listened to several of your sermons, specifically on dating and relationships. And I think I want to start there. You're passionate about relationships, and you list four critical seasons of relationships. So, take us on the journey. Like, what did you see? What did you hear? What do you feel that made you so passionate about relationships?
1: Yeah it was all burst from pain, Bianca. I mean, it was from my own life. I mean, my friends still laugh that I wrote a book on dating because they watched the dumpster fire of my dating relationships all through college. So I just realized I I didn't know what I was doing. And I just hurt so many girls feelings because I was just a clueless human. And so I just stopped dating. I was like, I just need to, I'm winging around and I'm a mess as a human being. And so that pain led me to try to find, uh, I got to get me right before I get a we right. And so reading the Bible, reading First Corinthians, where Paul talks about there's a reason why you're single, and and that was mind-blowing for me. It, it's like, oh, I have a purpose right now in the season, not just in my life in general, but this season has a purpose, was transformative for me. And then, you know, I became a college minister in, at Texas A&M, and for years— As technology advanced, I watched this process of coupling get more and more complicated for people, more and more stressful, more and more stories of pain. And so it pinged the pastoral part of me. I was like, I'm watching a young generation struggle with all these challenges of technology and how they've complicated our dating scripts. And I realized, I love them. So I didn't, I didn't set out to be like, I want to be the dating guy, here's a goal. I just was like, I care about you and want to help y'all. And this is how I can do it. Learn from Ben's pain. And so that's what kind of prompted me to go, let me help y'all. This should be fun. It should be encouraging to meet other human beings and connect. But these, the most common word nowadays was anxiety and stress. And I'm like, man, it's not, it can be better than that.
0: Yeah, I completely agree. And um, you, you had mentioned that you're talking about like common words, common words. I, I speak about relationships a lot. And the thing that I'm hearing is complicated, draining, yeah. demanding, and people are so tired of even like looking at apps and trying to find somebody and then church. And then you don't want to be like that thirsty girl or that desperate guy. And it just gets really layered. And so one of the things that I love yeah. is that you kind of took a complicated topic and made it a a little easier to understand. And I like to say that you gave us practical handles. So you talk about four yeah. stages of dating or excuse me, the four stages okay. of like the various seasons that yeah. you're in. Can you talk a little bit about that? Take us on that journey.
1: Yeah. So I, I like direct. And so I titled the book, Single, Dating, Engaged, Married, because I'm like, these are the stages I want to address. And you don't have to walk through all of them or else you failed in life. You know, Jesus was single his whole mm-hmm. life. So it was the apostle Paul. They didn't waste their life. Uh, God has purpose in singleness. And, and to me, it was this beautiful path of discovery in my own life. God has purposes for every one of these stages. And, and I can get on board with that. And it helps me navigate. You know, back in the day when they would travel through the ocean by boat, you had stars to navigate by. And I was like, man, I just want to give people some stars to navigate by. I mean, dating is is far more that it's mm. charting according to principles rather than following some steps it's it's too complicated to have steps
0: so, wait, so wait, uh, for me you actually stole one of my quotes that i pulled out oh okay you, you you speak about that it's like crossing an ocean it's not like building a desk from ikea
1: yeah yes yeah. You remember Every, the, everyone wants the steps man like yeah. oh you stick this here it's good it's not like that it's too dynamic so i can tell you donna and i steps but that may not work for your girl or that may not work for your guy, but there are guiding principles that we can use. And that's helpful when you're navigating because the seas are going to change. We're on different coasts. People are different, but the principles don't and the purposes don't. And so, you know, I mentioned earlier, like singleness, Paul's like, Hey, this is for devotion. It's to get a relationship with God, right. Before you get a relationship with a guy or girl, right. And that that helped me because I had, you know, a lot of sort of internal wounds from growing up and, stuff that I just needed to get right with God before I could be a source of love for Donna and not just a drain of love to other people. I yeah. wanted to be a fountain, not a drain. And and I had to get that right. And then dating, I don't know how deep you want me to go. Dating. I, uh, you know, no, a, this is great.
0: I want to know, give me the purpose. Because someone out there is listening saying there is no purpose to my singleness yeah. or there is no purpose to dating. I've even heard people say like yeah. short engagements, you know, like a wham, bam, thank you, ma'am. Like you propose you, you, and then you just make it happen. And sometimes I'm like, yeah. wait a minute, there, there is a purpose of engagement. So, okay. So tell talking <laughs> yeah. about the purpose of dating.
1: Yes. So dating I say the purpose of it is evaluation. Dating is a process we move through, not a status we sit in. And I watched a lot of people do that. They make dating a status and they go, I'm lonely. Oh, I got somebody. And then you just kind of languish in dating for, you know, three, four, five, six, seven years. And you go, no, wait a minute. It produces anxiety. And then if you break up, you look in the modern script, is a lot of wasted time with the wrong person. But, you know, they didn't date in the Bible. There's no like, Moses went to Chili's or whatever, you know, with Zipporah, it's, it's, um, but you get book, the book of Proverbs. It's like, it's better to live on the corner, you know, of your roof than in a house with a contentious woman, right? It's written to the single guy. Like, look at your girl. She always fighting with people. Does she always have drama? Don't marry her. And it's the same with girls that there's these passages about men, a man without self-control is like an unwalled city. Unwalled cities aren't safe. Mm. Uh, anyone can attack. And if your man's got an anger problem, you'll never feel safe. So the Bible's giving you evaluation of people. And dating is for that. You're just observing somebody. You're watching them. What are they like? What are they like with me? And then get them in crowds and say, what are they like with people they're not trying to get in bed with? Yes. What are they like with people who, who can't advance their career? You know, how do they treat children? How do they treat the old? How do, they, how do they handle when things don't go their way? Dating is evaluating, do I want to hang out with you until I die? So dating is an evaluation process. And so it's not meant to go on forever. It's meant to go on as long as it must and as short as it can to get you to engagement. You know, and then engagement's about union. You're bringing two lives together and that can be complicated. You know, it's like docking a ship. You can slide in easy or you can smash into the dock and wreck your life. And uh, <laughs> so there's, there's good principles when you're trying to dock up your lives. And then marriage, I say, is about mission. Like it's the two of us not looking into each other's eyes to find meaning, but grabbing hands and running into our future together. And so you don't want to date ministry, someone you're trying to save. You want to grip hands with someone and y'all do ministry together. Like, hey, we're going to run the same direction, same cause.
0: That was good. We may have
1: different gifts, but we run, you know.
0: Absolutely. I'm, t-
1: I'm talking fast, but
0: uh, no, you know, I love excited. it. No, I tell people, I don't talk fast. You listen slow. So I'm pacing with you, brother. I'm, 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 I'm running. I'm, I'm with you. You know, one of the things See, that I, I-, I
1: thought would be good. I looked at your, uh, I looked at your website, which is awesome, by the way. Oh, thank and I you. saw your photos, like your pictures, You're laughing. I was like, she looks fun. I was like, all my photos look like I just committed a felony. I was like, I can't get mine right. But, um, I
0: was like, ah, I bet we'll have fun. No, it's going to be fun. One of the things that I love that you said, and I don't want to gloss over, is the importance of, and because you and I have an affinity for SOS, um, and by the way, that's a total word nerd joke, like Song of Songs, Song of Solomon, whatever translation you're using, for those that might not be familiar with my Bible humor. But um, you remember when the ladies of the land rise and say and speak positively of her love that she's speaking about. I think it is so wildly important in the dating process. So I think this was one of my mistakes. I was, so I was older. I was very involved with my church. My dad was the pastor and I was reticent about bringing my, boyfriend now husband into the mix yeah. because there was some like complications like he had kids and he was divorced and there was infidelity in his previous marriage like there was a lot of sticky things and so I don't think I brought him around soon enough but I think it's super important for people who are dating to bring other people around and let them weigh in on the person that yeah. you are beginning to fall in love with agree disagree oh, yeah. two thoughts any anything you'd add yeah. let me talk to you about better help in 2021 it's definitely okay to talk about our mental and emotional happiness humans aren't meant to keep everything inside and therapy helps but what is therapy exactly it's whatever you want it to be maybe you're not feeling motivated right now and would like some tools to help or maybe you're feeling insecure in relationships or at work not dealing well with stress whatever you need don't be ashamed of normal human struggles and start feeling better because you deserve to be happy And now you don't have to worry about finding an in-person therapist near you to help. BetterHelp is customized online therapy that offers video, phone, and even live chat sessions with your therapist. So you don't have to worry about seeing anyone on camera if you don't want to. It's much more affordable than in-person therapy, and you can start communicating with your therapist in under 48 hours. Join the millions of people who are seeing what therapy is really about. See if it's for you, because you are your greatest asset. This podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp and we're going there listeners get 10% off their first month at slash wgt That's better h slash l p.com/wgt for we're going there.
1: I totally agree. Uh, you know, it is interesting, D- dating is meant to pair off, a couple pairs off. So there is a, a right way for a man and a woman to go away. But is it with the right person? You need the community to evaluate with you that's not infatuated by that person. So, you know, you mentioned Song of Solomon. It, it opens with her saying, let him kiss me with the kiss of his mouth. Hello. And I just love that because that's the Bible. Yep. And it's, cel- it's celebrating that, that she's like, I want my face on his face, so I, I want this. <laughs> And and you're like, that happens. And it's not bad. God built us that way. But then she wisely gets friends around her that say, rightly, do the maidens love him? They're not mm. losing their minds. They're evaluating his character. Is he treating her right? Yes. Is he treating other people right? Yes. And she says his name, which is your character, is like oil poured out. There, there's value, there's richness to his character. And so her friends say, that's the right guy for you to feel this way about. And you do need that. And, and it may not be your best friends. That's the only part I would add. You know, I, I was like you. My wife and I were, when we were dating, we're both on church staffs. And there were a lot of people who were very interested in Ben's love life that frankly were not, you know, the proverb says with many counselors, victory is sure." And I'm like, these people aren't counselors. They're like onlookers. And I used to joke with Donna. I was like, I was like, our relationship's like a gentle flower. And there's people that wanna like grab all the petals and be like, let me help it grow. And you're like, no, 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 you <laughs> don't get to touch it. And so we kind of got away from the crowds, but I had a few couples that I had watched their marriage that I was like, I want a marriage like that. Mm-hmm. And I went to them intentionally and said, will you be around us? Will you watch us? Will you tell me what you see? Cause I don't fully trust my own evaluation will you help me and and it was normal for Donna and I to hang with these other couples that could tell me afterwards what they see
0: oh that is wisdom that is yeah. that's gold i think someone needs to write that down because i think in our culture it's like we don't well i mean i don't want to speak for everyone i will say west coast california millennials, I think the idea of sitting under the tutelage or wisdom of another couple just feels a little foreign, maybe a little outdated, um, hard. And let's get real. Like no one wants to add another hard thing in their like dating relationships. But I think what you're saying is absolute wisdom. Okay. So you say, um, you said in your book, and I actually read this statistic before my background is in in anti-trafficking. And so I spent a lot, I spent Mm -hmm. about two years trying to push forward a concept correlating pornography to entry stages of human trafficking. So I feel very connected and very invested in this topic of pornography. Uh, You put in your book that 56% of divorce states that one person in the marriage has an online porn addiction. How does this, or does this play out in church and in Christians that you've seen?
1: You know, it's interesting. You mentioned dating books before. Mark Regneris, and I might be saying his last name wrong. Mark Regneris is a professor out of the University of Texas that does all these statistical books about sex and dating among young people. They're great if you're having trouble sleeping and want a book to put you out. It's just like (laughs) statistical data. I mean, he did not write it for mass consumption, but it's really fascinating because it's all this deep research and you know, like I was saying earlier, technology has changed so many of our dating scripts and norms. And I tell young people all the time, it's not your fault, but it is your problem. Like you you didn't Mm. make this iPhone, we put it in your hands. So it's not your fault. I'm not shaming you, but it is your problem. Mm. And the the problem for a lot of increasing numbers of young women, but mainly young men statistically, this hardcore pornography is flying at them very fast. Mm. And Regnerus will point out statistically, people that have a regular habit of viewing pornography have a harder time holding eye-to-eye contact and having emotional connection with people. Mm. Uh, They have a harder time uh, relating, just even being able to have conversation. And therefore, they begin to have cynical views on whether or not monogamy is possible or that it's satisfying and and then there's obviously some physiological problems too potentially in the marriage that you're not Mm -hmm. enjoying sex with another human being because it's a relational act you're used to it being this voyeuristic thing and uh so i hate pornography and it's not because i hate anyone who struggles with it i hate what it does to them yeah I, i i watch it steal them from us. I see the light in their eye go dim. They're, they're not as present in the world with us. And I want that for people. And, and there's much more we can say about the damage it does to young women and the damage it's doing around the world, like you're talking about. Mm. But I feel compassion for people who struggle because I understand it. I mean, yeah. pornography was introduced into my life before I understood what it was. I was a kid. I was like, what is this? And it it's an overwhelming thing that throws all your chemicals off, but it's so damaging to our ability to relate with compassion to other human beings. Mm-hmm. So I can't say strongly enough, it's a toxic thing to have in your life. It's so destructive to your ability to connect deeply with another human. And so I, I encourage people strongly to get out. So, and, okay. and to your point on human trafficking, I mean, I'm sorry, one other thing, I was meeting with an FBI agent here in town, because I live in DC, and he works in Child pornography exclusively is a very difficult world. And I asked him, What's the correlation in your world between people who are exploiting kids online and pornography? And he's like, 100%. 100%. Wow. That doesn't mean everyone who looks at porn becomes, yes, but everyone who is exploiting mm-hmm. children started there. It's 100%. a dangerous road. Yeah. There's no life at the end.
0: And I can't, I think you hit this so beautifully. It's not your fault, but it is your problem. And maybe there is someone out there who's listening and does struggle. I, I One, I love that you are taking any shame and kind of like removing that. But yeah. for those that maybe feel like it's beginning to affect them or a partner, and let's say they're Christian, it's affecting them or a partner as a pastor. Now I'm asking you about your pastor. What do you say? What, what can you do? Any handles? Yeah,
1: I have a lot of young women who will come to me and say, hey, the guy I'm dating has a porn addiction. What can I do? And I tell them, I don't know that you can do anything to fix him, but you can say, this is not okay. And I can't be in a relationship where you also have this other relationship with these women. So you can only do your part. And I think a healthy thing for you to do is say, this is not okay. Mm -hmm. Sex is this enormous gift that creates bonding. I mean, even chemically, we know this now, Mm -hmm. right? It, it, It releases oxytocin and dopamine, you know, these bonding agents it releases them. And, and so it's meant to fuse a marriage. And if someone's also having that experience online, it's, it's a threat to the marriage itself. Right. So if you're dating someone, you need to tell them, hey, I can't bond with you and you be over there with him. Yeah. And hopefully that, that reality will spark to them, I need to go get help. And then they'll need to go and get in a recovery program. But you can't be that recovery program for them. Yeah. You can root for them Likewise. from the sidelines, but you can't fix them. But it's a heroic thing. I'll tell you, I've got on my desk. I just pulled these out. A lot of people in the military, and again, here in DC, they, they have these things called challenge coins. You know, when they're doing something really, they trade them with each other. But it's like a coin that of what they do, and it's meaningful. And so I have all these challenge coins from different branches of the military. But in the middle of them, I have a 12-step surrender chip. Oh, wow. Because it's a guy I know here in town that he went to go get in recovery. And he's celebrating two years. And it's heroic. So I put it right, his coin is right up here with these other guys that are giving their lives for our country. Cause I'm like, that's a heroic thing for someone to do. So if you're contemplating that and listening to this, there's no shame. It's heroic. It's beautiful what you're Mm -hmm. doing for all of us and for yourself.
0: Okay. So jumping a little bit outside of this conversation, cause it's, it's (laughs) so we kicked off a relationship series at church entitled education of love. And it's like, what does love look like? post-pandemic, you know, I feel like so many podcasts that I'm listening to so much research that I'm reading. I mean, it's really messed us up in regards to interrelation, conversations, engagement. I mean, it's, it's kind of crazy. So I, the question I'm asking, and basically I will probably use this conversation and cite you. Okay. But do you believe in soulmates?
1: I believe that the most important question you can ask, I used to say in theology, now I say anywhere, is when you say that word, what do you mean? Because people have different meanings okay. for words. Okay. And so when people say soulmate, I ask them, what do you mean? Because there's a version I would say, yes. and There's a version I'd say, no. You know, Do I mean there's one person out there that will fill every vacancy inside of you and unlock all your creative potential? And no, a human being can't fully help you flower as another human being. So in that sense, no. But do I think God ordains all things and, and in that ordains for people to be connected? Yes. I think he made me for Donna and Donna for me. I believe that. Now, as soon as I say that, Elizabeth Elliott's one of my heroes. And she got married to Jim Elliot and he died when they were right. in her 20s. So she got remarried. So you're like, okay, did she have the one or did she have the two? <laughs> like she had the two. It's okay. She didn't sin. So that's where I'm like, be careful with the one. You know, like, I think some definition needs to be out there. But do I think God knits his kids together and delights to do that? Yes. He walked Eve to Adam. He didn't just hope they'd bump into each other in the garden. (laughs) He strolled her over and was like, look what I just did, you know? And uh, so I think God does that. Does that answer your question? It know. does. And here's okay. the thing.
0: I'm actually doing a deep dive into this because I think it's such an important question. So thank you for your yeah. wisdom. And what your do insight. you
1: think? Are you going to say what you think? or you, can I uh, ask you that on your podcast? Uh, oh my what gosh, you, you totally
0: can. This is fun. Um, so I'm doing research and what I will say. So what I, okay, I'm totally going to geek out for a second. Our understanding and our concept of soulmates comes from Socrates and his Grecian belief. I mean, it was a fable, but that the gods were angry with humans and split our souls. And so half of your soul is wandering the earth. And then if you happen to find that missing soul, that missing piece of your soul, then that was your soul made. But what this does as it trickles down into just everyday nomenclature is this feeling and belief that there's only one, that there's this one person. And then that puts this pressure on the one to complete us. It's this Jerry Maguire, you complete me moment. When the truth of the matter is, is that we're not half beings. We are yeah. made in In the fullness and totality of who Christ has called us to be. And in him, the supremacy of God, we have fullness of life. In him is completion. And what we're doing, and I think that's why we're having so many relationships falter and fail is because we're looking for someone to make us completely whole. Now, I'm also you don't know this about me, Pastor Ben, but I'm a twin. (laughs) So um I think that this has been exacerbated in this season of life coming out of a pandemic and quarantine and all this other stuff. Both she and I are married, both she and I have our separate lives and separate uh children and all this other stuff, but there is this part of my soul that I was like formed with her. And so this mm-hmm. concept of soulmate and oneness and wholeness, I've been exploring a lot and I just love pick, picking people's brain. So I'm going to do a deep yeah. dive. I think I actually, in the series, um, surprised all the listeners who are going to be watching online, but mm-hmm. um, I, I, I think I am going to be doing an entire teaching on is there a soulmate? So I was picking your brain yeah. and I'm going to cite you, brother. Okay. Yeah, All right. As yeah. we wrap this up, I feel, oh.
1: Oh, no, sorry. No, I was just going to agree with you. I think it is. I tell young, and again, it, it tends to be young women a lot in my experience. I don't think it's totally their a women's issue, but um, I have women come to me with that idea. And I tell them like, have yeah. you ever met like an actual boy? Like, have you ever met a man? Like, <laughs> do you really think, he can, you know, discover and unlock the deepest parts of your soul. Like he can't, like so many of them can barely clothe themselves. Like he can't do (laughs) that. Like, but can God knit two people together in a way that they can't at some point even conceive of life without the other? Absolutely. And God loves to do that. And I think that's possible. And I want that for people. I want that deep union with each other that we're made for.
0: And and I, I'm gonna say, maybe for someone out there who is married, I firmly subscribe to the fact that if that's not your marriage now, I do believe that you can work at oneness with your spouse. Mm-hmm. My husband and I are so incredibly different. I mean, Ben, he is white from Minnesota. He's Midwest, you know, upper educated. He's getting his PhD right now. I'm a girl from East LA. I'm Mexican. <laughs> like I cannot get anywhere on time. I love makeup and high heels, but God brought <laughs> us together. And so for us, it's been a journey of really coming together in oneness. And I'm I, yeah. 10 years into marriage. I could say you can get closer and closer and closer. And that thing that you desire, yes. it's like what you put in. Is what you get out. So, anyways, not even you know a little tidbit for free, but okay. So, as we wrap this up, as a dad, a pastor, a researcher of love, what would you you have carte blanche right now for the ninety percent women and the ten percent of listeners who are men holding it down for the men? I'm here for it. You're raising our testosterone level in this episode, so thank you. Um, I'm
1: happy to. But
0: for those that are listening like your heart as a as a dad, your heart as a pastor in this topic of love, what what would be interesting for us to know or hold on to as we close out this very complicated layered topic of dating and relationships?
1: Oh gosh, what a great question and so wide. Yeah, I would say for the person who's struggling, I would say you are normal. It's a difficult season relationships have always been complicated they have been enormously complicated by modern technology they have and yet even in the darkest most difficult seasons biblically god delighted to bring a roost to a boaz he just loves he loves to do that and so don't give up hope god cares about your love life even more than you do i mean he does and so um i would say i love that the Bible says, cast your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. That's what first Peter says. And then in the Psalms, it says, cast your cares on you because he'll never let the righteous fall. And I love that because it's the same command. Take, take the longings of your heart and give them to God. Mm-hmm. But for two different motivations. One is he's strong enough to carry them. And the second is that he's loving enough to want to. Mm-hmm. So I'd tell you like, there's so much complexity in dating and you're gonna help so many people with this series. I believe it. But I would just tell them at the beginning, take all these anxieties and uncertainties and cast them upon the love of your life on the Lord Mm because he's strong enough to carry them and he wants to because he wants you and he loves you. And so be encouraged. Don't be discouraged.
0: That is the perfect way to end our very first episode. Ben. thank you for being on the show. I appreciate you. And I can't wait to share information on where people can get your book online or a physical hardcore copy, like my weather beaten book that I have on my desk right now. So <laughs> thank you on. so much for your time. Thank you for the work that you're doing in Washington, DC. Keep on fighting the fight. We love and appreciate you. Thanks for being on the show.
1: Thank you. Honored to be here. Thank you.
0: Thanks for tuning in to We're Going There. I love giving away free gifts for those that share this podcast on their social media. Screenshot or video when, where, and what you were learning from the show. And two lucky winners will get a copy of my book, How to Have Your Life Not Suck. Side note, a lot of today's content came straight from that book. If you haven't subscribed to the podcast, you can subscribe on iTunes, Anchor, Google Play, Spotify, or your favorite podcast platform. While you're there, it would be amazing if you wrote a glowing review of the show. Those reviews really help us get new listeners. Speaking of new listeners, share this podcast with your friends, enemies, and frenemies. The more, the merrier. Love you guys, and I can't wait to chat next week.
1: Did we do it? Did we we do it? it? Okay.